Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite, Casey Phillips, and Scott Smith here. And this is where we take your questions, your thoughts, your comments. So if you're not already watching on Facebook, head on over there and you can leave a comment underneath the live video. And that's where we'll see it. And as always, we love hearing where everybody's watching from. They're already pouring in. Already got a lot of stuff coming yep. in. And uh, so, yeah, this is where we get a chance to talk about what you guys want to hear about. So I know, of course, the big news before everybody even the big news is starts the doing this. Blues are in the Stanley Cup yes, I feel like especially all Lightning fans are thrilled to hear you bring Sorry, this yes. up. Look, look at you. You're just oh, rubbing well. the salt in the open wound. <laughs> I'm not anti-Lightning. It's That's just, true. You're just pro-Blues. The Blues haven't been fair. in the Stanley Cup Finals since 1970. That's very fair. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, of course, we, we know now that Gerald McCoy, no longer a mm -hmm. Buccaneer. Yep. And I know that you've been here for the entirety of his time here. That's so, true. you would be a, a good person to, to speak to just what he was able to do for this franchise and then how we feel like that is going to impact the team moving forward, not only on on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing you have to say about Joe McCoy is he's one of the greatest players in team history. I mean, period. It's, yep. I don't, I know that there seems to be some ambivalence from some fans about him, but um, it just plainly put, he was a, he was a great player. He, there were, at his peak, he was one of the best defensive tackles in the game for a good three or four years you could say you could clearly say he was one of the three or four best defensive tackles in the game uh, he's fourth in franchise history in sacks which says a lot from a defensive tackle of course there's you know this is a team that had Warren Sapp who's in the Hall of Fame who had more sack who's higher on the list than he is but that's a that's an awfully high bar to clear Gerald went to six Pro Bowls he was an absolute pillar in this community um, you know these things happen all the time with with teams everywhere in the league. It's happened here before. I remember when we released John Lynch as an example. And John Lynch is another great player in franchise history and a great fan of the franchise. I mean, a great member of the franchise still. You know, always welcome here. We, you know, the team loves him. Uh, and I think Gerald McCoy will be the same way. Right. Yeah, I completely <clears throat> agree. And, and of course, we know a lot of the decision was about money and, sure. and cap space. So we actually had a question from Pete that says, how much cap space do the Bucks have now? Well... <laughs> Probably, I mean, that should clear up 13 million, I believe is the number. Um, so probably around 15 million. Right. Um, you know, there's, you're going to sign your, your rookies. Really, the signing of the rookies, everybody gets all worried about that. I know we had so many questions before the draft about could we even draft guys because we don't have the cap space. And I kept saying, don't worry. They'll easily find a way to right. sign uh, the rookies. And, and they have signed five or six of them already. And really the only rookie that really impacts the salary cap in a way that matters is the first-round pick. And that one hasn't happened right. yet. That will have some impact, but it's not the same as signing a $15 million free agent or something like that. So the, there's still not a lot of wiggle room, particularly since, you know, obviously there's rumors and the Bucks haven't announced anything yet that there's another player coming in soon. So, you know, I think the Bucks are still up against it, but I guess it's about $15 million at the moment. Okay. Um, and Tony had asked a question about if you thought the Bucks might trade Cameron Brait at all, if he was someone that, because of, I think, cap space, that's a, that's a name that gets right. brought up often. Of Any guys on the team that are going to have a bigger contract people well, are bringing up in this Just idea. look at the fact that the Bucks didn't trade Gerald McCoy. And obviously the team is never going to say whether they tried or not, but it makes logical sense that they probably, if they were going to release a player, they probably went to see if they could get something for that rather than just a straight release. Every team does the exact same thing when they're trying to get rid of, or not trying to get rid of, but when they are contemplating moving on from a veteran player with a large salary. But you saw there were there was no trade materialized for Gerald McCoy at that salary. And and so when you're talking about, uh, when you speculate, people just speculate about Cameron Bray because of his, his salary cap or any player that has a high cap. I don't know where that's coming from other than just speculation, but the fact that the, that player has that high 
impact on the salary makes them harder to trade. Obviously. Right. Of so course. It's easy to it's easy to speculate about stuff like that, but it doesn't mean that there's an, a team out there that wants to do that. And nor do I think the Buccaneers want to trade Cam Brady. Right. I would agree with that. I sure, certainly hope not, because I think yeah, he's a great player. He is. He's great for sure. Um, and Sean says he's watching from DC. Okay. Um, he wants to know what our overall D line pass rush and linebacker rotation could look like now minus That's Gerald and then he brings up we, we've talked about we know the rumors that are out there about a, a player that might be added but nothing has we been can announced talk about yet. Indomitian so, he's right. a free agent or not right so we're allowed to talk that's true because he is a free agent so it doesn't mess with our rules here but so why don't we talk about it if Sue were to be brought in and mm. then if not sort of that's what a, this means now with with Gerald being gone yeah. what the rotation could that's look a like. really big question yeah. I mean how much time do we have you know we're talking about four or five positions on the field at any given moment depending if you're in you know if you're in a three four with two stand-up outside linebackers one of them or both of them rushing or whatever um so that's a big question and there's a lot still to be resolved just yesterday i wrote about this because coach and bo allen were talking about how um they're really trying everybody all over the place you know you think of vita vea in the three four and you think well obviously he's the nose tackle right but they're going to they're they're trying everybody at nose at three tech in a in a in a four three at five technique outside the tackles they're trying everybody all over the place to see where they might be able to excel and I think a that's to find out how to use each guy best to his strengths and B that's to have variety Todd Bowles's defenses are aggressive and they're they have a lot of variety he wants you to not know where the pressure is coming from he he talks a lot about how um, it's not just blitzing it's the appearance of a blitz, but maybe you're still only bringing four guys. You just don't know where they're coming from. And so uh, there's a lot to be determined there. Now, I can give some basics, I suppose. I think Vita Vea will be on the field a lot. I think he will play a lot of nose tackle. I think if you had a starting 3-4, you might see Vita Vea and, say, Bo Allen and maybe Will Golston as the 3-4 defensive ends. And we're calling them defensive ends but they're really more like defensive tackles right. in, a, in a defense that Buck fans are more used to. You got probably Carl Nassib will probably play a lot as a stand-up outside linebacker, but might put his hand in the ground. Same thing with Anthony Nelson, who's looked good out on the practice field early. Uh, you probably have Noah Spence as, as basically when he's on the field, he's probably just doing the 3-4 outside linebacker thing. Um, there's a lot of pieces to put together. And then you, you mentioned if the Buccaneers do sign Ndamukong Sue as is being reported, he's a guy that would play in a 3-4, he'd be one of those DNs. And in a 4-3, because we're going to have both of those looks, he'd be a 3-tech like Gerald McCoy has okay. been. So all those guys are going to have multiple roles. And it's all being – I mean, they're, they're talking about it right now. Bo Allen talking about how they're all the linemen – are playing a bunch of different positions as they figure out what works best. So we're a long way from finding that answer, but there's a lot of pieces there. Right. And Daniel said, uh, if we were to bring in Sue, I'm not sure about our pass rush, but our run defense seems like it got better. And I've seen this, a lot of fans have been talking about this idea of how Gerald maybe was a better pass rusher Mm -hmm. than Sue, but Sue might be a better run defense guy. Do you agree with that? And if so, how would that change the, Historic, the dynamics of yeah, our D-line? Historically, Gerald had, Gerald's numbers indicate that he's a, a little bit better of a pass rusher than Sue, and, and Sue's numbers and the defenses he's been on have indicate that he's a better run stuffer. But they're both good at both, and they're both later in their careers, so it's hard to predict exactly how good they are at this point. It's not that it's not like Ndamukong Sue has been a poor pass rusher. I think in terms of what they give you to the defensive line, I think it's going to be pretty similar. And 
it's anybody's guess as to which guy is going to do best for the next five years. I mean, you could, either one of them could. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I think this is a great question and something that I was actually talking about with even just some people that work here and guys out on the field. Um, Corey said, who will be the next leader in the locker room? For the defense now that McCoy is gone, and right. you know we talked about Quan was such a vocal leader, That's and now true, he's yeah. not here, and then you you lose Gerald as well, and I just think that it's going to be an interesting idea to see who on the defense really steps up in that area. Well, I was, as I said, I was listening to Bo Allen talk after practice yesterday, and he was talking about how it, one of the things he likes about the NFL is somebody steps up every year, somebody maybe you don't expect, and and that's interesting to him, and he meant that in a leadership because he was talking about leadership at the time. And he said it could be a sixth-year veteran defensive lineman or it could be a first-round middle linebacker uh, rookie. And, of course, those aren't just uh, random ex uh, ex examples. The right. first one describes him and the second one descri describes Devin White. So uh, I think Bo Allen is a guy who might want to step up and be more of a leader. And I think that all of, his all of Devin White's new teammates are seeing – this potential already for this kid to come in and pretty quickly become a leader just because he's a very vocal guy. Okay. Uh, Kevin asked how the transition to safety is coming along with MJ Stewart. Yeah, it, you know, it, he's doing both a little bit now. I, you know, there were some injuries uh, for the cornerbacks, and so very early in these OTAs I saw him playing some nickelback, but that's not um, – even if he's a safety, that's not out of the picture because the coaches say that they sometimes involve their safeties in, as nickels, as slot corners. So, um, you know, it's it's hard to tell from four OTA practices how great a player is doing, uh, but he's been on the field a lot. So I don't think that MJ's out of the mix, and that's the first thing, right? Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, this is great. This is someone named Scott Smith asking this question. No, I don't well, there's know. a lot of us. I also don't know if they're maybe – I'm hoping they're just such a big fan of you that they changed their I Facebook that name severely. to Matchers. That's what I'm just going to tell just myself like, is that this no. is like a Scott Smith fan account. I'll tell you there are a lot of Scott Smiths out there. That's Did true. you know that the bassist for the Romantics was named Scott Smith? Of course I knew that. Of course I didn't know that. The, Have you ever seen the movie A Simple Plan? No. Or The Ruins? No. Those were based on books written by Scott Smith. I, I feel like my odds of knowing any references you make, I'm like MMA one fighter. out of a hundred. This one's maybe. probably closest to me. There was an MMA fighter named Scott Hands of Steel Smith. That so, does sound like yeah, you. Was right? that you? Uh, well, I, I can't say. <laughs> you, the NBA. <laughs> so you this know. Scott Smith. So this Scott Smith wants to know what uh, the running back situation looks like right now after being able to see some of the guys out there getting yeah. some reps, and we know it's still not full contact or anything. Running back in particular seems like a hard position. because every, every position, every, every run's run a is a touchdown because <laughs> the guys just touch them yeah. and they keep on running. So what can you tell from that? Uh, what I can tell you is that um, day after day, the coaches keep raving about Ronald Jones, and I understand. I understand it's just practice, and I understand it's just words, but it's better than the opposite. I mean, for some reason, Ronald Jones is really impressing the coaches out there, which is doesn't mean anything yet, but it's it's encouraging because if he, you know, if you think back a, a year when the Bucks drafted Ronald Jones, and I think everybody's pretty excited about it because he was a, he's really a big play guy at USC, and that's what the running game was really lacking. Right. And you thought, man, we could pair him with Peyton Barber, who's a good, tough runner who who generally gets positive yards, doesn't get stuffed a lot, you know, can give you four yards of carry, but maybe doesn't have a ton of big plays so far. If you could pair those guys together, that'd be a nice thing. And if, if this if these words about 
Ronald Jones early in, in, in these OTAs lead anything, that's pretty encouraging. Right. Uh, I Kevin, also think Bruce Anderson, the, the undrafted rookie, could play a part. Oh, okay. Um, Kevin had asked if there's – well, and this may be the answer to that question. I don't know. Kevin asked uh, if there's anyone in camp that has impressed you personally that may be flying under the radar. Under the radar. Well, that's a tough one. Um, I, I think they're pretty happy – already with this rookie undrafted rookie named Dakota Dixon who uh, was a tryout guy he didn't get drafted and I think that's because at the combine he's a safety from Wisconsin at the combine he had a, a really pretty bad 40 time and that can just really kill a player's prospects right. I mean if you do kind of bad in the 40 whatever but if you have like a, a notably bad time that can really hurt your draft stock and he was a very productive player at Wisconsin uh, he came in as a tryout and was impressed and they and impressed them, and they signed him afterwards. And I think they've been happy with him. I mean, that's really deep under the under radar, the radar. Right? Yeah, I know a uh, little less under the radar. Mike Edwards has looked good out there. The the rookie safety. Um, yeah, he got an interception yesterday, yeah, didn't he, did. he? I think yeah. yeah. Uh, Devin White has gotten his hands on a lot of footballs in the middle of the defense, but that's not really under the radar, right? Right. Uh, so I guess I would go with. Um, with uh, the Dakota Dixon. Okay, I like that. Uh, Nicholas said, if you had to predict our starting secondary. That's, oh boy. It's a good question. Yeah, but can I answer again like a month from now and then Yeah, something tells me we'll get the question again, so I don't think this is like your one and only shot at it. I think Justin Evans, let's say Justin Evans, it's tough too because they play a lot of different packages. You might see three safeties on the field, so can I have three safeties even though there's only two positions? I mean, Mike Edwards looks great. But Justin Evans, I think, is is probably going to be one of the starters. And then Jordan Whitehead actually finished the season pretty well last year. Uh, probably, you know, Vernon Hargraves and Carlton Davis both were a little banged up last week, and so they weren't in practice. And then there was the whole thing about uh, Coach Arian saying Vernon Hargraves' mind wasn't right. And I think that was taken a teeny bit out of context. I know I see people chalking it up to Coach motivating Vernon, which could be it, but, you know, that's, all, that's speculation. I think it was a little bit more like he was returning from a mild injury, and when you're coming back from an injury, you got to feel like you're ready, right? I think it was more like that. I mean, he was out there on the field yesterday and looked fine. So Vernon Hargraves, Carlton Davis, and Sean Murphy bunting as basically your three starting corners because you think of a nickel as a starting guy. That's just a prediction. Right. But, I, you know, I've said this many times about how you need cornerback depth, and uh, over the course of the season you're going to probably end up having significant roles for six or seven guys. Okay. That's a bit of a wishy-washy answer, but – Ask me again in training camp. Right, yeah. And we'll, uh, we can close with this one. Clifton said, do you see Justin Watson getting more Clifton reps Smith? at the uh, wide receiver position? Justin Watson. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with a, a straight maybe again. I'm really finishing this on a wishy-washy yep. note, aren't I? Uh, you know, it would make sense because he was basically the fifth man on the depth chart at the end of last season, and two of the four above him, Deshaun Jackson and Adam Huffings, are now elsewhere. So just simply by that math, you would think so. However, uh, you have some new guys in the mix now, Abobo Wilson, uh, you know, he's not new, but he might get a bigger role. Scotty Miller, uh, some of these undrafted guys, I think they really like a lot already. Anthony Johnson and Demarcus Lodge, especially. Mm-hmm. And so Perriman. And and Brashad Perriman, yeah. thank you. So um, I would say yes, but maybe not significantly so right away. Okay. And just the fact that he won't be injured going into the season seems like hopefully he Justin Watson yeah that he, he missed a lot of time last year mm. with injury coming Forgot in at the very that. beginning right, yeah. so hopefully that'll give him a better chance to get yeah. in there early and especially in preseason so yeah. yeah all right well that's gonna do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you next week